0: Thank you. consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved. Happy New Year! And welcome back to Season 3 of my story, Living with Lupus. Sorry that I'm a little late, and I'll tell you about what I've been going through. But today's topic is all about the United States to Africa, Lupus Revisited. So, you know what I want you to do. That's right grab your cup of coffee your cup of tea and to my listeners late at night grab your favorite glass of wine and come on and join the conversation right here on my story living with lupus If you would like to appear on an episode of My Story Living with Lupus, you can contact us at mystorylivingwithlupus at gmail.com. Also visit us on our Instagram page and also our website, My Story Living with Lupus. All right, I said that I was going to tell you what I've been going through. Well, my lupus is active once again, and I'm having complications with my liver. Also, all the medications that have been prescribed to me from my primary care physician, all the way down to my cardiologist. I have to come off of. Yes, I am now going through withdrawal symptoms from the medication I was on for my heart. Also, the medication that I was on from my primary care physician. You see, my body is now rejecting it, but I look at it this way. I say, God is working a miracle on me. That's the way that I'm going to look at it. So I'm going through withdrawals. I was with a friend earlier And they asked me, was I okay? I looked a little strange. I said, I'm all right. And they said, no, you're not. They said, you look ran down. You look tired. Have they changed your medication, your heart medication? And I said, well, I'm going to tell you this. I said, They have taken me off of all of my meds because my body has begun to reject the medication. And um, I'm going through withdrawals from not being on any meds at this point in time. I also told the friend that if for some reason I tell you that I'm experiencing chest pain, or I pass out. I said, you know where I keep my nitroglycerin. Now the cardiologist did tell me to keep the nitroglycerin tablets on me as usual at all times. Um, I have to monitor my Blood pressure to make sure that it doesn't drop dangerously low. I have been put on an aggressive exercise routine to try to get me to sweat. So, right now I'm having a problem sweating. So, that's what I've been going through. With that, and um, as far as my liver goes, I'm drinking smoothies. It's hard for me to keep anything solid on my stomach. If I do eat something solid, such as vegetables, I in turn go into immense pain. I d- no longer have my gallbladder, so it, it lupus is attacking my liver once again. But besides that, I'm okay. How was your holiday? Hope you enjoyed spending it with your family. Let's get into the topic of discussion the united states to africa lupus revisited now we all know that systemic lupus erythematosus is a systemic autoimmune disease that has significantly higher prevalence morbidity and mortality in african americans compared to americans of European descent. The pathogenesis of lupus is unclear, but appears to be the result of environmental factors interacting with a genetically susceptible host. Despite the high disease load of SLE in African Americans, there is a perception that lupus is relativity, rare in Africa, relativity. That's what I meant to say. I'm sorry. Relativity, rare in Africa. This prevalence suggests that comparative studies of related cohorts from the two continents May provide insight into the genetic environmental interactions that result in the development of lupus. To define if a lupus gradient exists, we begin a study of autoimmunity prevalence utilizing two unique. Cohorts. The first is the gula population of the Sea Islands of South Carolina, who are unique in their low genetic admixture and their known ancestral heritage. Now the second is the population of young women serve. By the West Africa Fistula Foundation in Sierra Leone. Now, studies indicate a direct ancestral link between the Gula population and Sierra Leoneans. Since it is impossible to perform an epidemiologic study of lupus in Sierra Leone. At this time, we assess the prevalence of lupus serum autoantibodies, serologic evidence of Pacific infections and levels of serum 25-OH, vitamin D, in young women in the two cohorts who have no known relatives with lupus. The results indicate similar prevalence of serum anti-nuclear antibodies in the two cohorts, though there was a significantly increased prevalence of antiphospholipid and et- anti-SM antibodies in the Sierra Leone cohort. Seropositivity to common viral infections were significantly higher in women from Sierra. while serum 25-OH vitamin D levels were markedly lower in Gula population. These data suggest that the prevalence of autoimmunity is similar in the two populations, but that there are significant environmental differences that may impact progression to autoimmune disease. When we'll come back, we'll discuss further. And we're back. You know, there are marked demographic differences differences in lupus prevalence with women being 8 to 10 times more likely than men to develop lupus and african americans being 3 to 4 times more likely than caucasian americans to developing this illness the mechanisms underlying these marked Demographic differences are unclear at the present. As in most autoimmune diseases, lupus is felt to occur secondary to an environmental event triggering pathogenic immune factors leading to development of this disease. Lupus development is at least a two stage process. Now, with the development of autoantibodies occurring many years prior to expression of clinical disease, it is clear that some individuals developed autoantibodies, especially. First degree relatives of lupus patients, but never develop the clinical disease. Now, in my case, I received the marker, I'll call it a marker, from my father. It was passed, the marker passed from his mother, who was Native American, to him. It skipped my two brothers and my two sisters, but it hit me. And I exhibited earlier signs as a child of lupus, but was not clinically. Diagnosed until 2004. So, in actuality, I have been dealing with this illness for 54 years. I turned 59 on January the 7th. I had this discussion with my sister. She asked me, why did I think that I was the one that was hit with that particular gene? And I told her, it's just like anything else to me. Everything skips a generation and it may hit the last generation. I've stated before, now, my daughter may be carrying the gene, the marker for lupus, but she gets tested every year. She tells her physicians that her mother has lupus. So she gets tested every year. And It may not hit her, but it may hit her children if she decides to have children. Now, she will call me and tell me, my joints are aching, or I feel tired, real tired, for some strange reason. And I told her, for number one, you know that you are hypoglycemic, not hyper, but hypo, low glycemic. I said, get you a piece of candy and eat it and um, eat you a banana because I say your potassium may be low. And I always tell her, I said, I should have kept my provider numbers because I could be charging you instead of you going to the doctor. I could use, you know, I could be charging you and billing you through my provider numbers. I'm just joking. I wouldn't bill my daughter. Even if I had my still had my provider numbers, I would not bill my daughter. But getting back to the subject, it is clear that some individuals as i stated before develop the autoantibodies especially first degree relatives now that first degree relative would have been my grandmother now defining autoantibody prevalence poses a much more attainable goal than determining actual prevalence of disease in a country such as sierra leone where there is only minimum health care system, See, I don't like that right there. They only have a minimum health care system. That hurts my heart. Believe it or not, that hurts. Environmental triggers of lupus are difficult to identify as they likely occur years before, Disease onset and may be common environmental exposures. Different viruses, such as the Epstein Barr virus, better known as EBV, and toxins, such as insecticides, are implicated in epidemiologic studies of lupus. More recently, there has been an increasing interest in the role of vitamin D as an immune system modular and that deficiency of vitamin D could potentially lead to development of autoimmune disease, Including lupus. Indeed, a number of studies reported associations of vitamin D deficiency with lupus and other autoimmune diseases, with additional evidence for higher rates of disease flare in patients. But one interesting approach to defining environmental effects is to define whether a disease impacts a population that moves from one geographical area to another. Thus, defining if there are differences between the prevalence of lupus in Native Africans versus African Americans, would suggest that environmental factors are important in disease pathogenesis. There are numerous case reports of lupus developing in African individuals after they moved from Africa to Europe to North America. There are also small series suggesting that prevalence of lupus in West Africa is low. Now, these observations have led to the gradient Hypothesis that there is a significant difference in the prevalence of lupus between Native Africans and African Americans. Most of the studies that looked at lupus prevalence in Africa were done in East Africa, Central Africa, or southern africa which are not the ancestral areas origin of the most african americans thus significant genetic differences exist between eastern africans and western africans that likely impact diseases such as lupus. Significant genetic admixture in most African-American populations further confounds attempts to separate environmental differences versus generic variations now when it comes to the gullah the geechee population of african americans living on the sea islands of south carolina and georgia are a unique cohort in their low genetic admixture and retention of cultural traditions. The gula are also unique in that their ancestral origin in Africa is known. During the slave trade era, Africans from Sierra Leone were captured and forcefully brought to the Charleston South Carolina area due to their skill in rice farming. Rice at that time was the cash crop along with the coast of South Carolina and northern Georgia. The founding population for the Gula or Geechee community is estimated to be between three to five Thousand individuals. Now, these slaves and their families were kept on sea islands to raise rice. Due to the prevalence of malaria and yellow fever, as well as the heat and the humidity, slave owners and slave foremen for the most part, did not go to the islands. After the Civil War, most of the Gula-Geechee population remained on the islands, living on substances, farming and fishing. Again, due to disease, climate, and lack of access. They remained rel- relatively isolated on the islands until the mid-1900s, when roads and bridges were built to the islands and malaria and yellow fever were eliminated. The Gulas. English-based Creole language is strikingly similar to Sarah Leone Creole and contains such identical expressions. Now, as late as the 1960s, A Black American linguistic found gulas in rural South Carolina and Georgia who could recite songs and fragments of stories in Mindy and who could do simple counting in Guinea and Sierra Leone dialect. In fact, all of the African texts that Gula people have preserved are in languages spoken within Sierra Leone and along its borders. Harvest Aquaponics, planting seeds to grow food and creating opportunities for people and families. You can contact this nonprofit organization at www.abundantharvestaquaponics.org. Now, in recent genetic analysis of lupus in the gula population, principal component analysis demonstrated that the gula are indeed genetically separable from other African American cohorts. This analysis also confirmed the continued low genetic admixture of the gula cohort reported herein to be 6%. The overall prevalence of lupus and gula is unknown, although based on hospital data in South Carolina. It appears to be between one and, I'm sorry, my phone keeps going off. One out of 150 to one out of 200 African American women. Unpublished data. Based on these factors, they believe that comparing the Gulaslash Geechee population with a cohort in Sierra Leone provides a unique opportunity of comparing two populations with similar genetic makeup, but highly different environmental exposures. Due to the lack of an organized healthcare system in Sierra Leone, it is impossible at this time to establish the prevalence of lupus there. They therefore proposed to determine a prevalence of autoimmunity in lupus unaffected women in the two populations as determined by the serologic measures. They also assess the prevalence of seropositivity for viruses implicated in lupus pathogenesis and serum 25 OH vitamin D levels. So, basically, they have a population that they can't really say if they have lupus or is there a genetic factor in their body that they will wind up having lupus or not because of the healthcare system in Sierra Leone. now. With a healthcare system that is not advanced, my heart goes out to the individuals who may be exhibiting lupus signs and symptoms and they don't know exactly what is going on. And, you know, I said this year, I was coming out bold in 2020. And that's what I plan to do. I want to reach as many individuals and as many countries as I can to let people learn exactly what this illness is all about. It's nothing. Better than bringing awareness to another country whose health care system is lacking in treating individuals. When we come back, I have a message for you. I want to thank you for joining me for This episode, the third season of my story, Living with Lupus. Now, if you are on Facebook, I will be going live on Facebook at 7 p.m. And I'm going to be talking about how to find out the information on your doctor and what I mean by that, if your doctor has ever been sued, if he has any malpractice claims against him, also subscribe to the YouTube channel. subscribe to the My Story Living With Lupus website and come on over and visit us on IG also to listen to previous past episodes of My Story Living With Lupus you can find them on YouTube and we'll be hitting Periscope tonight also. So come on over and join us. And I will be talking about, yes, going through withdrawals from my medication. But I thank you for joining me. You have a great weekend, a relaxful weekend, and a peaceful weekend. I'm your host, Susan Hendricks. For my story, Living with Lupus, I'll see you next week. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved.